Hello, George Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRX. In this edition, we delve into the musical past of an African country and hear how important parts of its cultural heritage have been salvaged for future generations. There was a gold mine inside a building in Blantyre, capital of Malawi. It was a rich and deep ore of gold, but it was covered in dust and neglected. Not many seemed aware of the riches that lay in disarray inside MBC, the Malawi Broadcasting Corporation. The gold at MBC was of an elusive sort. Beautiful sounds, words and melodies, unique irreplaceable records of Malawi's national treasure, its culture. We're talking about sound recordings stored on magnetic tapes, which unlike that other kind of gold, are perishable. One person inside MBC was very much aware of this treasure resting almost forgotten inside their building. His name is Waliko Makala. In addition to being producer and presenter of radio and TV shows, Waliko also has an intimate knowledge of Malawi's traditional music, and he is one of the country's most experienced musical performers. Here he is. As an ethnomusicologist and working as a broadcaster with MBC, it was of great concern to me to see the loss of Malawi's oral and intangible heritage, especially with the MBC because it had recorded a lot of material, a lot of music traditions and oral traditions in the villages and even in the studio. So these recordings were on reel-to-reel tape. And now the problem was that uh, the enemies of time temperature, weevils, rust. The tapes were stuck, they were getting moisturized and some of them could not play and they were cracking, breaking, you know, because of all these challenges. Now, worse still is that some people did not value these tapes. They did not understand how rich the content was for future generations. Yeah, so one time I invited the ambassador, the Norwegian ambassador to Malawi Aspon Idhama, he came to visit me and I told him that, look, we are losing this heritage. This legacy of our national heritage is going to be in ashes. So they were using, they were burning some of the tapes and it was of his concern too that, no, you can't afford Waliko to lose this material. Let's digitalize them. I'll find you a producer in Norway. That's how it came about that Mr. Sig helped us to digitalize the material. This material is Blue Diamond of Malawi. It is only MPC that recorded a lot of material during that time, the 60s. But there's also some material that was recorded 
by other people. Uh, like Hugh Tracy, he was a colonial administrator. He managed to record some music which they have digitalized at the Library of African Music in South Africa, Rhodes University. But the material that MBC had in his custody was that that they recorded during the 60s. And some of the music digitalized about 4,000 only. But there's lots of material that needs to be digitalized. So it is a heritage for the nation. I like that. This is Kanenel Litolo, a track from the music archive at MBC by the Karanga Sisters. Well, the reason we can play this music on our show today is that, as Waliko was saying, it's been digitized from old reel-to-reel tapes. That's thanks to a project facilitated by the Norwegian Embassy in Malawi and led by Mr. Sig. That's Norwegian radio journalist and music producer Sigbjorn Nedland. I had for a long time been very much aware of the fact that many of the national radio stations in Africa had hundreds and thousands of reel-to-reel tapes with recordings that could not be found anywhere else. These are recordings which constitute unique documentations of music, chants, songs, lyrics and poems. For many years I had been advocating the need to save such recording. In Malawi, I now finally had the opportunity to suggest and negotiate a project with economic backing from my embassy to save some of these riches. At NBC, I found a kindred spirit in Waliko, with whom I started to plan a digitization project. We managed to get hold of two old reel-to-reel tape players in perfect conditions in Norway, which we sent to Malawi. And we were able to start digitizing tracks from the NBC archive. 
During our four-year project, we digitized several thousand tracks. And at the end of the project, the equipment was donated to NBC so that they can now continue the digitization work. Our project was not only about digitizing the music. This music is too vital and important to just be digitized and um, put in a museum, so to say. It has a lot of life in it, and we wanted to re-eject it into the music life of Malawi today. Waliko started a radio show where the music we digitized was presented to the listeners. My radio show, uh, Mizu, which airs every Wednesday on NBC Radio 1, uses some of the material. I have had a lot of feedback from people, and a classic example is one gentleman who called from Gatabe in Jinteji area. He was a friend to Betty Kamanga, a visually impaired bangwe player. He used to play a unique board zither. So I played his song, which was recorded in those years, and he went back memory lane, and I could actually hear him crying because I had taken him to the past to his friend whom he was now like visualizing singing playing on air And several other people have called me. If it convinced management now, having just a 30-minute program, Mizu program, I should now have a one-hour program every week. One-hour program featuring this type of music and heritage. So the impact is enormous. The audience that listened to the radio shows and remember the music from the 1960s, 70s and 80s was mainly a grown-up group, even an elderly audience. But we wanted the young musicians and artists of Malawi to be able to hear and to be inspired by this music too. So we organized workshops for some young musicians and challenged them to respond to the digitized music. And they did. They found some old songs that they wanted to make their modern versions of. They composed new songs based on the inspiration that they got from the digitized tracks from the archives, and they sampled, programmed, and made song lines and rap verses using many elements from the digitized tracks. of war. 
war, humanity's fight Wrong and right, the battle is tight We're meant to be free, but freedom you see Can be the illusion of our own vanity What truth lies in the words of liberty? Is it not in service to fellow man? Is it not to give in truth and love? Giving what's right and doing all that is right Beauty and power and grace you see Makes life worth the sacrifice we bring For to love is the highest call And to accept it, the only logical course For to love you see is the highest call And to accept it, the only logical course logical course. emerged out of the workshops Sigbjorn described. They recorded tracks inspired by digitized material from the MBC Music archives. And this one, Song of Freedom, was written by Takura vocalist Mali Chakwera with samples from MBC field tapes. Another way in which treasures from the MBC archives are shared with the wider audience is through the collaboration with the African Poems website. Martin White of African Poems explains. Hello, Martin. Hi, George. I run a website called African Poems, which is dedicated to the oral poetry and song traditions of Africa. These popular forms of expression have been extensively researched by ethnographers and anthropologists, but often the content that is collected becomes limited to academic audiences. And this comes back to a point that Sigborn touched on earlier, 
that these songs and poetry are too important to just be digitized and then hidden away in archives. So I was delighted to hear about the work that Waliko and Sigborn are doing in Malawi in unearthing this treasure trove of music, chants, songs, lyrics and poems, and also sharing these recordings with the younger generations of Malawians who've been inspired to create new music that draws from the old. You know, Martin, this reminds me of how musicians in Mali and Guinea take the old songs of the Creole poets and remake them for today's audiences. Yes, exactly. Those of us living outside of the continent will often listen to traditional music from African nations simply for the pleasure that it gives us. And often we have enough information to get the gist of the lyrics. What we're aiming to do with the African Poems website is to translate some of the poems and songs from these oral traditions, and by providing some historical background and cultural context, we hope to enhance people's ability to engage with these lyrics in more meaningful ways. Well, you know, there are over 3,000 languages spoken in Africa. Most Africans are expert linguists, speaking two or three of them fluently, but even they experience only a fraction of their continent's poetic diversity. Sigborn was kind enough to introduce me to many people involved in this venture. And last year I began working with Willico to publish translations of material from the MBC archives. We'll listen to some examples of Malawi's traditional music, music of rituals, masquerades, sacred dances and initiation ceremonies that date from pre-colonial times. And we'll also hear some traditional songs in which singers describe the changes that have taken place in their society and where the performers critique the behaviours of their leaders and their community with an openness that is characteristic of these oral traditions. And we'll discover how the oral poetry traditions have inspired modern Malawian poets, such as Jack Mapanji. We'll also hear some of the guitar music that flourished in Malawi following World War II, as Malawian soldiers who had fought for the British in Europe returned home, bringing back banjos and guitars with them. The first tracks that we transcribed, translated and published from the MBC archives are from the Guli Wamankulu dance rituals. Asked Wiliko if he could tell us more about these dance rituals and the role they play in Malawian society. Guli Wamankulu, meaning the big dance, is the name of the sacred initiatory society that exists within Chewa-speaking communities in Malawi, Zambia and Mozambique. This religious movement has upheld its own cosmology, secret language, and esoteric rituals throughout the imposition of colonialism, Islam, and Christianity in Malawi. Gulewamkuru is the traditional masculine dance in which masked dancers representing the human ancestors, wild animals, and forces of nature that populate the spirit world of Nyawu cosmology come to interact with people at their initiations, funerals, and other social events. 
Wow, it is men who perform the dance. Women participate in the Gulawankuru as singers and hand clappers. This performance uh, was recorded at Mkwa's village in Salima district of Malawi. In this ritual, the women sing to accompany the dance of a masked performer who represents the spirit of someone who has recently deceased. The spirit is stating where he wishes to be buried close to the homestead of his mother. So here, we hear the singers chanting, Bury me on the veranda, bury me on the veranda, eh, so that when my mother should see me and say I am dead, yes, when I am dead, bury me on the veranda, so that my mother should see me and say my child is dead. Sadaye, Tata, go to where you have cultivated. Sadaye, go to where you have cultivated. Sadaye, go to where you have cultivated. In contrast to the dances of the men's secret society, Kunju is a women's only dance that also originated in the pre-colonial period. In the following piece, the dancers perform within a circle surrounded by the singers and three drummers. The song laments the lack of hospitality that has been shown to visitors to the village. Their guests are returning home, complaining about the treatment they have received. The guests, the guests are going back complaining. The guests are going back complaining. The guests are going back complaining. The young women visiting are going back complaining. The young women are going back complaining. The young women visiting are going back complaining. They are complaining. Yes, they are crying. They are complaining. Yes, they are crying. Although the lyrics are simple, I think this is an interesting piece because it illustrates how these traditional forms of music in Malawi provide a space for performers to question the actions of the leaders of their community and criticize the conduct of members of the community as well.
Over the years, we've previously posted a variety of poems that originated from the time of Shaka Zulu's wars. Some of these are praise poems of the Zulus celebrating Shaka's military prowess, and others are from the perspective of those people who suffered from these wars. In a previous episode of Afropop Worldwide, we discussed Zulu music and the Zulu reputation for courage and style, and that has given them an enduring reputation as a defiant, self-possessed, royal and artful African people. The rise of the Zulu nation under the leadership of Shaka Zulu in the early 19th century disrupted many traditional alliances in Southern Africa. This era of heightened military conflict led to the Great Scattering as various clans migrated out of South Africa and into neighbouring countries, including Malawi. This is a Ngoni song of the Maseko Ngoni. It was recorded in Chau district of Malawi. The Ngoni kingdoms established in Malawi, Mozambique, Tanzania, Zimbabwe and Zambia were created by two chiefs, Inkos Zwangendawa and Inkos Mputa Maseko, who came up from the south, conquering and forcibly incorporating the communities they encountered on their journey northwards. Chief Mputa, the Smiter Maseko, led another group of Ngoni-speaking people out of South Africa into the region of Malawi and then to Ma River that forms the border between Tanzania and Mozambique. The Ngoni demanded cultural dominion over the people they vanquished, suppressing other local customs and practices. What now remains of the warrior ethos is expressed in the world dances called Ngoma. Originally performed to celebrate victory in battle, successful hunt, and installation of chiefs, Ngoma is now mostly performed for entertainment and as a way for Ngoni communities to maintain their identity and continuity with the past, while at the same time expressing how their lives have changed. (laughs) 
Utamaseko used severe discipline to enforce cohesion within the expanding Goni community. But the song Dimbandian, with whom shall I sing, laments that the youth of today have turned their backs on tradition and no longer follow instructions from the elders or obey orders from the Ngoni leader. These are the same two people, the same two, the same two. But why do you fight each other at the homestead? The same two, the same two. Why do you fight each other at the homestead? With whom shall I sing? The Incos has ordered. Sole Sato, Sole Sare, Jinkwangwaye. Whom shall I sing with? The Incos has ordered. The boys are refusing. The Incos has ordered. Two are people. With whom shall I sing? The Incos has ordered. Coming up, more songs from the MBC archives and how the oral traditions have influenced modern Malawian poets. Visit afropop.org for links to more music from the archives and to the African Poems website. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRX. Something that I'm particularly interested in is the ways that the oral poetry of the past can inspire poets and songwriters of today. And a pioneer of this approach has been the Malawian poet Jack Mapanji. As a student of the University of Malawi in the early 1970s, Mapanji founded the Malawi Writers' Group. Somehow, the group managed to evade the scrutiny of the official government censors, and poetry became the favoured medium of expression for the Writers' Group. Through poetry, they developed coded ways of discussing Malawian politics that were widely distributed throughout the university and beyond. In 1974, Jack Mapanji completed his Master of Philosophy thesis, entitled The Use of Traditional Literary Forms in Modern Malawian Writing in English. He encouraged writers to draw inspiration from the traditional oral poets of Malawian society. In a recent interview with Poetry Spotlight, he commented, The world is a series of images and symbols which we constantly reshape and string together to make sense of our situation. This is the tradition I learned from my mother when she told us stories at the fireside. She looped images, symbols and scenarios together to compose the tales for us. You will notice my poems are sometimes repeated cycles of rhythms which end on a punchline. 
life is full of cyclical rhythms, which spiral towards some terminal point without the spirals meeting in the process. In his thesis, Avanji also emphasized the degree of license traditionally granted to oral poets to interrogate the powerful and criticize the behavior of the people within the societies they lived. President Hastings Kamuzu Banda ruled Malawi from 1964 to 1994, and under his regime, oral poetry had been appropriated for the purposes of government propaganda. Songs using the music and dances of traditional culture had become employed to persuade village farmers to buy fertilizers and by social workers promoting public health campaigns. Something that Mapanji regarded as particularly dangerous was the way old traditional war songs were watered down to simply praise the new leaders of Malawi society without any of the constructive criticism that the original songs contained. Mapanji wrote, the criticism was necessary in the original song because it was one way of helping the chief or the traditional leader to improve. It was also a way of knowing what the people think about the leadership. What we would like to see is a critical praise poem to bring about sanity where it is hard to find. Yes, praise poetry is not merely about flattery. Some traditional poets can be quite scathing about the leaders they address. As we heard in the example of the Kunju song, the women singers criticized their fellow villagers for the lack of hospitality shown to their visitors. The Ngoma song, traditionally a genre of music that celebrated the warrior conquests of the Ngoni, is actually a lament describing the undisciplined infighting that has consumed their society as a younger generation refused to be instructed by their elders. In 1980, Mpanji's first collection of poetry, entitled Of Chameleons and Gods, was published. Here, the poet satirized the government and questioned the leadership of President Banda in the manner of the oral poets, who in previous generations had assessed the leadership of the chiefs, combining praise where appropriate and criticism where justified. However, Despite President Banda's own promotion of Malawian cultural traditions, this did not go so far as granting modern Malawian poets the space and license to interrogate the powerful that the traditional poets had enjoyed. On September the 25th, 1987, Jack Mapanchi was arrested in Zomba by police units acting for Malawi's special branch and was imprisoned without charge in Mukiu Maximum Security Detention Center near Zomba until his release in 1991. It's an all-too-familiar tale with African poets and singers imprisoned or exiled because political leaders disliked their messages. Malawi's first democratic elections were held in 1994, and President Banda lost to Bakili Maluzu of the United Democratic Front. Jack Mapanji continues writing poetry, drawing from Malawi's oral traditions, such as in his most recent publication entitled Greetings from Grandpa. He also mentored some of the next generation of Malawian poets, such as Ben Malunga. Mm -hmm. 
I should also mention there's been a fantastic book published recently entitled Making Music in Malawi, written by John Loanda. This book is by a Malawian writer, poet, and music producer who set up the Pamtondo record label in 1988. His book is a culmination of many years of research and covers a huge range of musical genres from Malawi. For anyone with an interest in the music of Malawi, it's tremendously valuable. The book is published by the Logos Open Culture Publishing House of Malawi. Following World War II, Malawian soldiers who had fought for the British in Europe returned home bringing back banjos and guitars. These instruments became popular across Malawi in the 1950s and 60s, with many bands springing up across the country. Songs from this genre are fascinating partly because of the music, but also because in some way they show us how these returning soldiers integrated their experiences of World War II into their music for audiences in Malawi. War becomes a theme that is returned to again and again in the guitar music of Malawi, often combined with biblical narratives. Barton Harry was one of the popular banjo players to emerge in Malawi in the 1950s and 60s, and his song, Absalom, Why Have You Died?, uses these biblical metaphors about war. In the Bible, Absalom is the third son of David, the king of Israel. Although he is one of King David's favorite sons, Absalom's rebellious streak leads him to declare himself king and attempt to usurp the throne. He is killed in the battle of Ephraim's wood and becomes a figure representing false ambition and vain glory in the Bible. Barton Harry sings, Absalom, my child, why have you died? He died at war with his brethren. Sonard Longu was a Malawian singer-songwriter and guitarist who performed alongside the guitar maestro Dr. Daniel Kachamba in the 1970s, before going on to establish a prolific musical career of his own. The sharply observed social commentary of Stonard Lungu's lyrics led him to become labelled Malawi's Bob Dylan. Lungu played both 12-string and 6-string guitar, but was most well-known for playing with the 6-string unattached to give his music a unique feel. <laughs> Ah, 
popular of Lungu songs was Zapadziku, meaning the world, which draws from biblical scriptures about the impermanence of worldly things. The singer reflects on the unpredictability of life and the prevalence of war, seeking salvation through prayer and an acceptance of fate. Three songs were all composed by visually impaired guitar and banjo players. The first is by Joseph Nangalambe, who was born in 1936. He composed songs with various underlying political meanings that were frequently banned on the public broadcasting station of Malawi as they were considered too sensitive to be played during that time. Only about a tenth of his vast collection of songs were ever aired on radio. This song is sung in the Yao language and is about a mysterious man called Che Poison. The singer describes waking up in different districts of Malawi and always seeing this man wherever he goes but he's never able to find out who is this man who appears to be following him. (laughs) 
Bansanja ni madodo ni madodo mayine Bansanja ni madodo ni madodo ma Eh rimana injaure kulimbi ngalola poisoni Nambo njaure kuzomba ngalola po Che poisoni wa Amadoduma, Amadoduma, a boy is only Amadoduma, Amadoduma, Jaude Gurimbi, Galola boy is only Nambo, Galauka, Nimarola, Cheboy Mana Alan Namoku was another visually impaired banjo player who took Malawi by storm, becoming a household name in the early 1980s. He was backed by the Chimvu River Jazz Band who played using homemade instruments and recorded their songs in just one take on reel-to-reel tape recorders. Considered by many to be Malawi's finest guitar and banjo player, his style of rural folk blues was noticed by musical lovers outside of the country, leading to comparisons with John Lee Hooker and Ali Farkature. Alan Omoku had a unique playing style. He would sit on a tea chest and beat the chest with his foot to provide rhythmic accompaniment to his guitar. Alan Namoko used to play a homemade banjo, four-string banjo. These are usually made from an empty gallon, yes, with a wooden handle. And most of the time, the strings are made out of a bicycle wire. And they tune them in a very specific tuning system, which is not in the Western musical scale system. Here is Alan Namoko with a song titled Zon Sendimoyo. It's a philosophical song because it is tackling about life, that everything that we do in life is all but vanity.
song Chinafuna Mbale by the Lucky Stars Band became a huge smash hit in Malawi in the 1980s. The Lucky Stars were led by Boniface Ndmera, who learned to play the guitar at the Molangi School for the Blind in the 1960s. The Lucky Stars Band were inspired by a traditional form of dancing music called Yutsi that was popular with the Sena people in Malawi. Chinafuna Mbale was recorded at the MBC studios in 1986, and the song is about the importance of family. The lyrics advise that although you may be doing well and think you do not need to rely on others, there inevitably comes a time when everyone needs to support a family. This song became hugely popular at weddings and other social occasions. Such is the love for Boniface and Damere in Malawi, that when in December 2021 it was discovered that he was facing financial hardship in his old age, an online fundraising campaign spread across social media, raising over one million kwacha for the artist in less than nine hours. Wakopika tabo moya tabo nama 
As we said, the digitization project at Malawi Broadcasting Corporation resulted in several thousand tracks of unique Malawi music, an album of new songs inspired by tracks from the MBC archive and lyrics and poems published on the African Poems website. But the story does not end there. Nedland Kultur, a small one-man company that initiated the Malawi project, is working to get projects going in other countries as well. Sigbjorn Nedland explains. Getting the Malawi project going was the culmination of efforts over several years by Nedland Kultur to do something about African archives of music being threatened by extinction. All over Africa, where many countries have not had a music industry and studios and recordings companies until recent years, there are archives like the one in Malawi, where unique music is stored on magnetic tapes that are deteriorating and will soon not be playable. We succeeded to save part of this treasure trove of cultural heritage in Malawi, and now we are starting work in other places as well. Presently, Nedland Kultur is starting a project in Rwanda with partners the University of Agder in Kristiansand, Norway and the Rwanda Cultural Heritage Academy. We are planning a digitization project in Rwanda based on the Malawi model, collecting recorded material from various archives around the country, digitizing, organizing and archiving the recordings and aiming to make them available to a Rwandan audience and to provide access to this music for a worldwide audience too. This is fantastic work, Sigbjorn, and Afropop Worldwide will be there to spread the word. Of course, African Poems will be one of the most valuable partners making Rwandan music, lyrics and poems available to the world. We're hoping to be able to go on and to spread this idea to other countries as well. We must waste no time in pursuit of projects that can save the cultural heritage stored on these perishable media. Oh, by the way, if there are any institutions or individuals listening who want to get involved in this work, write to us at info at afropop.org and we'll connect you with Sigbjorn and his team. It's so important that the younger generation in Malawi and other African countries should have the possibility to hear the music of the past. The old traditional music from the rural areas and the villages, as well as the early modern music of their country from past decades. From this, they can build a local and national identity in their contemporary music, instead of importing and copying music from elsewhere. Hear, hear, why be known as an imitator of others' styles when you can go down in history as a trailblazer of a unique national sound, hmm? Kazanga, you 
Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and from PRX affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. Thanks to Waliko Makala and the Malawi Broadcasting Corporation and Sikbjorn Nedland for their help with this program. Don't forget to visit afropop.org for links to more music and poetry from the Malawi archives. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by Martin White. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast, including radio programs and our Afropop close-up podcast series. And don't forget to join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer is Michael Jones. This program was mixed by Zubin Hansler. Additional engineering by GC from the syncopated layer in Washington, D.C. Banning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Mukwai Wabeisi Yolwe. And I'm Georges Collinet. Je te coule, 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 je te coule